This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. We are joined by Democratic Congress member Dan Goldman. Congressman Goldman, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Ben. So we interviewed you before you made the decision to run, whether that was a year and a half or two years ago, I forget. Former prosecutor, former law and order guy, former evidence-based person. Now that you've been working in the House Oversight Committee, you're on the Orwellian-named Weaponization Committee that the MAGA Republicans have, just overall, your thoughts and observations as we're now in August. I guess the debacle of Kevin McCarthy finally becoming speaker after 14 no votes was early in January. What just overall observations, Congress member? Well, my overall observations are that this uh, Republican Party in the House of Representatives has been captured by the fringe MAGA wing of the party. And what that means is there's been no effort uh, or attempt uh, to engage in any meaningful bipartisan collaboration and cooperation on legislation that can have an impact on the American people. Instead, what we're seeing on the House floor and what we're seeing in the committee rooms is an effort to push the furthest fringe uh, on the right uh, to front to the front and center. And there are uh, poison pill amendments, culture wars going on in legislation that, that has nothing to do with that. There's no effort to realize even that a bill does not become a law unless it also gets passed by the Senate and signed by the president. There's no acknowledgement that those are both democratically controlled bodies. Uh, and then on the investigative front, uh, we're seeing what happens when you put the cart before the horse, when you reach your conclusions before you do an investigation. And what they have done is they have... Uh, very vociferously and aggressively announced what their investigations have concluded. And now for the first seven months, they've been trying to backfill those conclusions with facts and evidence. Of course, that's the exact inverse of how an investigation should be done. And that's also why these investigations have failed to gain any traction because there simply is not the facts and the evidence to support the very inflammatory and aggressive and overreaching conclusions that the Republicans have already jumped to. So you've got MAGA Republican Jim Jordan, MAGA Republican James Comer. They were recently asked if they have found any crimes committed by President Joe Biden. And their response was, well, we hope so. And I'm thinking as as a litigator, we hope so. And then, you know, putting out to the American people that there are audio recordings that don't exist, whistleblowers that don't exist or are spies of China. Congressman, if any of these things took place in a federal courtroom that the MAGA Republicans do every day, 
What would happen to someone who went into a federal courtroom and lied to a judge about evidence on a daily basis or just even once? Well, first of all, they'd be laughed out of the courtroom uh, when they fail to demonstrate that there is any proof to support their conclusions. But then the second level, which you know very well, Ben, is that they would be sanctioned for lying to a court. Uh, of course, they can and do lie to the American people all the time. Uh, and it is a desperate effort to find some hook to impugn the president of the United States, because in part, I think, Ben, they think that there has to be some sort of false equivalency between President Biden and President Trump that President Trump did truly weaponize the federal government in ways that we have not seen since at least Nixon and probably in our history. And so the Republicans in some ways seem to think, well, if the Republicans would do this under Donald Trump, then the Democrats must do this as well. And there's this projection, and it's almost a disbelief that they would ever have um, this power and not abuse it for their own personal interest or political gain. Um, but in reality, that there is no evidence in any of these investigations to support their conclusions. There's no evidence that ties Joe Biden to Hunter Biden's business deals or ties any official action of President Biden when he was vice president to any of his son's business interests. And in fact, the only evidence, the only connection that there is between any official action that then Vice President Biden took and his son's business interests were very detrimental to his son's business interests. When Vice President Biden urged, because it was official U.S. policy in coordination with the European Union, for the Ukrainian prosecutor general, who was well known to be corrupt, to be removed by the Ukrainian government, that hurt Burisma, the company on whose the Ukrainian company on whose board Hunter Biden sat. Because as their latest star witness said, Devin Archer, uh, last week, that Burisma believed that they had Shokin, that corrupt prosecutor general, quote, under control, unquote. That's what Devin Archer who was also on the board of Burisma said. And that's what every single State Department witness and government witness said during our impeachment investigation related to President Trump's uh, extortion of President Zelensky for his own personal gain. The Senate uh, did a sweeping investigation of this and they also did not find any, uh, any validity to these allegations that are now being resurfaced over and over again because they have nothing else, and they are desperate to hang something on President Biden to placate the extreme uh, fringe wing of the party. I want to go through some of the highlights of your time in Congress so far that we've covered here on the Midas Touch Network and kind of get your take on it now that we've got you here as well. So one of the first things that you and some of your colleagues did right away, though, was in a very loud and proud and important way, frankly, call out the corruption of George Santos, who is sadly a colleague of yours from New York, sadly represents the congressional district 
where I interned for back when I went to college and where I grew up in, which used to be New York second, which merged into New York's third congressional district, which is uh, the area representing my hometown where my mom still lives to this day. Well, I, I apologize uh, to your mom on behalf of Congress uh, for the fact that she effectively does not have a representative in Congress. And no doubt about it. And, and, and let's talk about why it was so important to call George Santos out early on in the way that in the way that you did. Well, look, this some of this goes back to my experience of 10 years as a federal prosecutor. And when I read that New York Times story about all of George Santos's lies, and then I personally went and looked at all of his campaign finance disclosures, there were so many blinking red lights uh, about that this person is a total fraud and that what the Times originally discovered most likely was the tip of the iceberg. Because in my experience, when you have people who are willing to as brazenly deceive and defraud people uh, in order to get elected to Congress, uh, it rarely stops with everything you know. And it rarely was the first time that he engaged in something like this. And so I dug into it and and I'll, really in truth, and, and I'm not trying to take a holier than thou view of this, I recognize that politics can be dirty, it can be ugly, and it often is. But George Santos and the complete fraud that he is, is another level. And I am ashamed to be walking the same halls as George Santos. I think that we need to be uh, bolstering the integrity and reputation of the institution of Congress. We do not need to denigrate it any further. And the fact that uh, the Republicans still now, eight months into this Congress, continue to protect George Santos, um, to make sure that he stays in Congress just so they can have his vote, even though he has admitted, admitted, it's not a function of all oh, their allegations, he's admitted to many lies He's admitted to uh, committing a crime in Brazil. Uh, he has admitted to um, lying on his campaign finance disclosures. He said he does not own any apartment, but on his campaign finance disclosure, he stated that he did. So we don't need an ethics investigation. We don't need a criminal case uh, in order to know that George Santos has violated the uh, norms, ethics, rules, and integrity of Congress and should not be there. But the sad reality of the politics of today is that House leadership views his vote, his Republican vote, to be far more valuable than the integrity of the institution. Going through these highlights, one of the next big hearings that we covered is the MAGA Republicans thought it would be a good idea to hold a hearing about Twitter and, and other social media companies, but specifically the MAGA Republicans seemed to kind of bend the time space continuum and <laughs> had to be pointed out that the things that they're complaining about took place while Donald Trump was in office. And then when you actually go through what the things are that they wanted to be on Twitter, it was things like they, they wanted nude photographs of Hunter Biden out there, which went against Twitter's policy on sex shaming and things like that. Like, walk me through, Congressman, as, as you're sitting there 
<laughs> you're a serious federal prosecutor. You're a serious guy. You're sitting there watching your Republican colleagues arguing that somehow it is a constitutional violation because Twitter, a private company, doesn't want to have on their platform nude photos of Hunter Biden. I mean, what's going through your mind and take me through that here? Well, there, there are a couple of different ways of looking at it. One is I look at it as a, a lawyer who's you know studied the Constitution and knowing that the First Amendment only prohibits the government from restricting uh, protected speech. And there are two critical components to that, which are lost a lot. One is, as you point out, a private company, Twitter, can do whatever it wants. The second is the First Amendment only protects what is considered protected speech. That is not all speech, as you rightly point out. There is not a th this notion that the Republicans are now peddling that any utterance of a word is protected by the First Amendment. And we're now hearing it in, in defense of Donald Trump's uh, indictment is preposterous and it's false and it's wrong. And speech is used in all sorts of improper and illegal and disallowed ways. So, you know, I looked at it from that vantage point a little bit, but then you also look at it from, all right, well, what's really going on here? And what I think is really going on here is that the Republicans know that in 2016, uh, with the election and now all the way up through um, COVID, they are, they traffic and benefit from disinformation. So if there is restrictions on disinformation in the social media or elsewhere, they think it hurts them more than it uh, hurts Democrats. And so what they, I think, are really trying to do is chill the social media companies from interfering in the dissemination of disinformation, whether it be Russian disinformation that helped Donald Trump win the 2016 election, or whether it be COVID disinformation that helped Republicans uh, turn what was a public health crisis into a political wedge issue. Um, this is part of their playbook, I think, because their ideas are really not popular to the extent that they uh, have any, but their ideas are not popular with the American people because they're so narrowly focused on special interests and the wealthy uh, Americans. And so what they need to do to win is to corrupt the playing field. And really, I think that's what is going on here is that they are trying to make these broad-based allegations to undermine truth and to undermine our institutions of accountability, whether that's social media, whether that's the media and the whole bogus fake news thing that Donald Trump has, has brought on all of America, or now whether it's the FBI and the Department of Justice and the intelligence communities, uh, agencies which have traditionally been the backstop and the bedrock of accountability for government and for wrongdoing, both with government officials and, and private citizens. And if they undermine all of those institutions and all of those checks on the truth, all of those mechanisms of accountability, then they will have free reign to disseminate their false bogus information, to commit crimes in the case of Donald Trump, uh, and to get away 
with subverting our democratic process. Yeah, and that sounds like uh, a lot like propping up an authoritarian regime is ultimately the end game here, there. And, you know, speaking about their attacks on FBI and DOJ, that brings me to kind of the next highlight in terms of your cross-exam, low light in terms of, I think, how overall disgraceful these hearings have been for America just generally based on the conduct of MAGA Republicans is they call in the FBI director, Christopher Ray who is a Republican um, who Trump appointed and the MAGA Republicans, by the way, I probably disagree with Christopher Ray on a lot of things if we got into policy, I'm, I'm sure. But I can't uh, object to the fact that this is someone with a ton of experience, with the credentials. And then you've got people like James Comer, who's not even a lawyer. You've got people like Jim Jordan, who never passed a bar exam, you know, and they are calling for the defunding of the FBI, the abolition of the Department of Justice and, and, and all of these and all of these things with Trump's appointees sitting right there. Why? Because Trump's appointee is prosecuting terrorists prosecuting people in domestic terrorists, people who were involved in January 6th. What was that like sitting there as a former federal prosecutor, seeing Republicans attack the Republican Trump appointed FBI director? Yeah, or the Trump appointed U.S. attorney in Delaware uh, who is leading the Hunter Biden investigation. And, and I'm, let's just stop there for a second, because that to me crystallizes so much of, of what is going on. Donald Trump appointed uh, the US attorney in Delaware who started an investigation into Hunter Biden, President Biden's son. When President Biden won and beat Donald Trump, even though Donald Trump uh, refused to accept his defeat, tried to overturn the election and install himself as president, never conceded that Joe Biden won and became president. It was a very bitter, bitter race. Even after Joe Biden became president, he kept on his opponent's appointed prosecutor to investigate his son because the independence of the Department of Justice and the FBI is of paramount importance to President Biden. That is pretty remarkable. That is pretty remarkable that it, and a real reflection of what we feel at our core as Democrats and as patriots, which is that we are a democracy and no one is above the law, even in this case, the president's son. Now you have Republicans though, attacking him for somehow giving the sweetheart deal and attacking Christopher Wray, a Republican appointed FBI director for investigating and prosecuting Donald Trump because somehow, some way in their mind, uh, it must be because their fault, not Donald Trump's fault. And all of this, all of this, let's be very real. And it starts with it. It's with Christopher Ray. Um, it's with uh, Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA, who then the House Republicans initiated an investigation into a local prosecutor and his uh, prosecution that has no federal jurisdiction, none at all. Congress has no jurisdiction over it, yet they initiated an investigation. All of it is in fealty and support of Donald Trump as his taxpayer-funded legal defense team and his taxpayer-funded political arm for the 2024 campaign. 
All of this fits into those two buckets, and that frames absolutely everything that's going on in Congress right now. What do you make of the news that uh, Merrick Garland will be appointing David Weiss, the Trump-appointed Republican United States attorney from Delaware, as a special counsel? David Weiss had previously informed the Congress in response to letters by Jim Jordan, James Comer, and Lindsey Graham and others that they were lying about him. He said, look, I have full authority to become a special counsel if I want that. I have not requested that. Merrick Garland has provided no limitations. You are all lying about what is taking place. Well, evidently, he requested special counsel status. Merrick Garland granted the special counsel status just moments ago. And now the MAGA Republicans are all saying that that is somehow part of the weaponization and that is somehow part of corruption. When the MAGA Republicans were saying that he should be appointed as the special counsel and that that was being prevented, like th th there is no logical link here, but, but with them, yeah. what, what is your reaction? The, to the the, You know, I, I, I literally don't think that they think any of this through more than, you know, A, 30 seconds and B, how can I uh, construe this to be political? Um, I, I don't have much inf more information. I, I did read something along the lines of uh, a court filing by the U.S. Attorney Weiss in Delaware asking the judge to dismiss what was that misdemeanor information that had been filed against Hunter Biden that was going to be part of the plea agreement, which to me means that the plea agreement has broken down, that there is not going to be a plea to that those two misdemeanors, and that the U.S. Attorney Weiss needs to prepare and potentially charge Hunter Biden through an indictment in a district that is outside of Delaware. Uh, where only he has jurisdiction. And as he informed Congress, if he had needed to do that, he would have had the authority to do that. My initial takeaway, and I'm still at the early stages, I'd like to understand a little bit more here, but my initial takeaway is that, as he said, as he stated to Congress, he was given full autonomy over this investigation and what was told that whatever he needed, he would have in order to pursue whatever charges he thought were, were uh were justified. And that is now what he's trying to do. And that he is needs to have some additional authority in order to proceed with indictments outside of his own district against Hunter Biden. And that's what it sounds like he's trying to do. The notion that this has anything to do with Congress, or anything to do with uh, protecting anyone when in reality, it looks like he's lining up to bring the hammer down on Hunter Biden is preposterous. And it just demonstrates a continued misunderstanding of how the Department of Justice works by the House Republicans who are trying to turn what has traditionally been and is now again, an independent crime fighting body that is designed to keep politics out of criminal prosecutions. Uh, and that's just simply what's going on here, it seems. Want to talk about the most recent, again, highlight from my perspective of your cross examination and your legal work. I think low light that this is even taking place. And that's the deposition or closed door hearing of 
Hunter Biden's former business partner, Devin Archer, who MAGA Republicans said would be bombshell testimony that Devin Archer was going to say that Joe Biden was on all of these phone calls in business meetings, directly changing American foreign policy and getting deals done for his son using his authority. I saw the questions that you asked on the transcript and you were just saying, is, is any of that true at all? And Devin Archer was like, no, not, none of it was true. Yes, Joe Biden would call his son and ask him, what's the weather like? How, how are you doing, son? I, I, I love you. But now then MAGA Republicans take that where Devin Archer said he has no knowledge of any interference by President Biden, then Vice President Biden at all. But then what the Republicans do is go, aha, 20 phone calls, 20, 20 phone calls. And it was like, it's a dad calling his son. That's what the transcript says. And so walk me through a little bit that deposition. And then even after you get at the facts, they harp on that there were phone calls between dad and son. And then they go, you see, it's the Biden brand. It's the brand. It's a, it's, it's, it's a brand impeachment. <laughs> what do you make of all of that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's helpful to sort of back up a little bit as to, to how we got here, where we are. Um, there, they have gathered some uh, bank records related to Hunter Biden. And they've now released uh, this week, they released another memo, the third memo, uh, the uh, oversight Republicans have released a memo analyzing these bank records of Hunter Biden. But they don't say these are bank records of Hunter Biden. Um, and they instead say these are Biden family bank records, trying to broaden the category so that those who like the most of America would not look at the memo, much less the actual document. Just think, oh, this is Joe Biden's bank records along with Hunter's. So that is false. None of these bank records uh, either belong to President Biden or show any transactions going to or from President Biden. He is completely separate from any of the evidence in this investigation. And so they've been taking different uh, throwing different darts against the wall, hoping things will stick. Um, they had these IRS whistleblowers in, but it became pretty clear that uh, the IRS whistleblowers uh, information stopped at a point that was well before uh, the final determination of whether uh, what prosecution should be done against Hunter Biden and didn't take into consideration uh, defenses or evidentiary issues things very typically considered by prosecutors, not agents. Then they were going to have this bombshell Israeli-American uh, whistleblower who was going to be a star witness, and he was going to blow the house down on all of Hunter Biden's business dealings. Well, then it turned out he's a fugitive from justice, having been charged for arms trafficking, being a secret agent of China, uh, and uh, making false statements to the FBI in the same meeting that he provided information to the FBI about Hunter Biden. So the notion that we should believe the information about Hunter Biden when in the same meeting he lied about uh, to the FBI and was charged criminally for that is preposterous. Well, they drop him because he's a clear fugitive criminal. Now they're going to bring in the business partner and the next star witness. And look, at the end of the day, under penalty of perjury, um, Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's business partner, painted an unflattering picture of Hunter Biden. But what he did not do 
is provide any evidence implicating in any way, shape, or form President Biden in any of Hunter Biden's business deals. And in fact, of those calls, when Hunter Biden put his father on the phone with business associates, sometimes foreign business associates, they never discussed business. There was no influence on any official policy. And as I mentioned earlier, the only policy decision that had any impact on Hunter's business was one that was detrimental to Hunter's business. When the Shokin, the prosecutor general in Ukraine, was removed at the urging of then Vice President Biden, even though that was bad for Burisma because Burisma liked that corrupt prosecutor general. So the only touch point here is that Hunter Biden said hello and talked about niceties, small talk, and the weather, according to the testimony of Devin Archer, not me, that's not me saying that, that's what the witness said, um, and that that is the only link that uh, the Republicans have. And yet they're now trying to say that Joe Biden was somehow complicit in whatever Hunter Biden was doing to represent to any foreign business dealings, deal uh, any foreign businessmen that he has some influence over the, U- the United States government, which is belied by the bank records, belied by the testimony, belied by the official actions of Vice President Biden and has been debunked right, left, and center since the very first impeachment um, four years ago. So there is no evidence connecting President Biden to any of this. And it's part of the reason why when there was a lot of pushback against me, having sat through that entire deposition from Republicans, I just simply said, read the transcript. Read the transcript. And I appreciate that, that you did, Ben. I urge everyone to read the transcript. Um, I I am not representing anything. I don't have any firsthand knowledge, nor do any Republicans. The witness is the only one who has any knowledge. By the way, the witness is a convicted felon for fraud himself. So, you know, we need to take everything with a grain of salt. But even if you adopt what he says as true, it exonerates President Biden. It does not incriminate him in any way. Do you think the American people are starting to get it and, and get what's going on. I hope so, because on Midas Touch Network, we're trying to break this down in a way that I think where large media is failing and kind of both sidesing the issues. But you think American people get with Democrats, with President Biden, the talks are Infrastructure Act, PACT Act, CHIPS Act, Inflation Reduction Act, lowering prescription drug prices, focusing on jobs, better working conditions, protecting equality, protecting a woman's right to control their body. I I mean, when you put these issues uh, in front of people as initiatives or as referendum, like what we saw in Ohio when they had issue one, which failed miserably, MAGA Republicans trying to really take away people's rights. I I almost think if you put any issue of that I just mentioned up, American people would overwhelmingly 65, 70 you know, percent more responsible gun ownership would basically say things like the positions that are being advocated by the Democrats are common sense, real positions. And, you know, to a point you make earlier, like w- what is the Republican position the, the, the all caps Donald Trump saying derange this derange prosecutor, derange this person, this sloppy, this person. I don't even know what they stand for, but you think people are getting it. They're starting to get it. What What, what needs to happen here? 
Yeah, I hope so. And I think we are focused much more on that in, in Congress. And I know the president is very focused on conveying to the American people that so many of the benefits we are now starting to see on the ground, whether it's increased manufacturing jobs, whether it's more infrastructure improvements and better uh, economic opportunities, uh, whether it is you know technology, semiconductor, whether it is um, as you point out, veterans getting uh, access, much, much needed access to, to better health care and remuneration for their service uh, all across the board. Obviously, trying to just preserve individual freedoms for Americans to be whomever they want to be um, and not have the government tell them who they should be. Um, common sense gun reform. You, you mentioned that. The polling says 91% of Americans believe in universal background checks. I challenge you to find any issue that 91% of Americans can agree on, but yet Republicans will not come to the table for that simple, basic, common sense regulation on gun ownership so that we do not have two mass murders a day every single day as we do now. So what we are trying to portray and what we are trying to um, get the message out is that the Democrats are working for the American people. And in the last Congress, it was a historic Congress where Democrats had control over all three bodies and passed incredibly beneficial legislation for the majority, vast majority of American people. Meanwhile, the Republicans are effectively a propaganda machine right now. And that's what these investigations are. That's what Donald Trump is. They are essentially just a propaganda machine trying to feed lies to the American people to stoke fear, division, and hate. And the Democrats are the party of ideas, solutions, and results. And that's what we need to be getting out there uh, all around America and what we will be spending a lot of time doing uh, over the next year. Do you have Republican colleagues, you don't have to name them, who privately go to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we know that we're captured by Trump and this is, you know, a bad situation, but we got to do this. Or, you know, is is is, is it is it anyone like that ever have comments to you? Well, what's very interesting in the Republican Party is when you talk to uh, more moderate Republicans or any of the Republicans in the 18 districts uh, that Joe Biden won in 2020. Um, they are generally not fans of Donald Trump. And I think there are a lot of Republicans that would really like for Donald Trump to go away. But he holds such power and control over the new base of the Republican Party, uh, which has shifted since Trump came along. Um, and there is a, a whole new makeup of the Republican Party. It has lost moderates, and it has gained MAGA Trumpers. And that part of the party is still really controlled by Donald Trump. And the threat of retribution by Donald Trump still hangs over many of my colleagues in the House. And so I think many of them don't want to speak out against him because of, for fear of retaliation or backlash, but they would very much like for him to go away. That's why I think the paradigm of liberal, progressive, are Democrats, conservatives, are Republicans that the media uses, I just think is is outdated. 
at this point. If you look through my views, you'd probably say, hey, Ben, that's liberal and progressive. But there are some areas where I think that I'm, you know, con- conservative. I'm certainly more conservative than these MAGA Republicans who want to overthrow our democracy, who are singing songs with the January 6th insurrectionists, who are using big government to try to control the bodies of women and tell people who they could love. I, I just, I don't buy that these Republicans are conservative anymore. I don't know if you, if you, if you talk about that internally at all, now that I have you on, I would love to just get your views on that because every time the media is like Marjorie Taylor Greene or Matt Gates is a conservative, I'm like, they ain't, they ain't conservative. They're like MAGA cult members. Don't call them conservatives. No. And I think the best example is uh, foreign policy now in Ukraine. Um, the MAGA brand is increasingly isolationist and nationalist. And what that means is um, they want and push for nationalism. Nationalism is dangerous. It is uh, effectively white nationalism, uh, which wants to raise and increase the power of uh, whites in this country to the detriment of marginalized groups. And traditionally throughout history, nationalism has given rise to a lot of the fascist um, movements, Nazism, uh, and other horrific time periods and governments a- across the board. And the notion that w- they would not want to support Ukraine, a democracy fighting against a dictatorship and an unjustified, illegal invasion of their country, and that they don't realize that this is a fight f- uh, for good and evil, good against evil, and that if we don't defend Ukraine, we abandon democracy around the world, and who knows where that will come, uh, that will go next. And that to me crystallizes the difference between this Republican Party under Donald Trump and the MAGA wing that has so much control in the House, and the more traditional Republican Party, which has always believed in strong foreign policy, hawkish foreign policy, promoting democracy, in my view, probably you know with too much disproportionate money spent uh, abroad than on domestic programs, but that they're in conflict with each other right now. And to me, that in so many ways captures what we're talking about. This is an anti-democratic uh, movement, both at home and abroad. And what they want is power, and what they want is for the reascension of white dominance in this country and elsewhere, and that they are going to focus on their inner anger, their inner inner fear, uh, and their inner uh, threats that they feel from the outside world. Uh, and it's dangerous. It's really dangerous. Well, Congressman, our democracy is fortunate to have you in Congress. Uh, Enjoyed this conversation so much. I lost track of the time, but uh, really appreciate your time. We'll hope you come back here on the Midas Touch Network and appreciate all that you do for our democracy. Anytime. And thanks for everything you do as well, Ben. See you next time on the Midas Touch Network and check our new check out our new website at MidasTouch.com. Hey, Midas Mighty, love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram at Midas Touch to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now.